Hello and welcome to Shades and Coffee, the almost weekly look good, feel good podcast, written and presented by me, Vivian Braidwood. If you love motivational stories, then join me to celebrate positive lifestyle, fashion and feel good trends. Lose yourself in this collection of personal adventures and powerful insights as I speak to some of the most inspiring people in the industry, company founders, movers, shakers and coffee takers about what makes them happy and the secrets of their success. In every show, there will be Q&A with them and me, and we really want to hear from you. Ask us any lifestyle-related question or let me know which topics you'd like me to cover. Tag me and use the hashtag Shades and Coffee with Vivian on Twitter or Instagram. We'd really love you to subscribe. Speak soon. Shades and Coffee. Look good, feel good. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe and please rate us. My guest today is somebody who's passionate about using yoga to improve people's mental and physical well-being. She feels a strong sense of responsibility to share this with others, so much so that she started sharing her craft and expertise for free through her online classes where people donate whatever they can afford and are not named and shamed if their skin is a flint but still wish to benefit from the service. Daytime sequins are a big part of her style, as are yoga pants. Please welcome personal stylist, super mum and yoga teacher, Terry Sindon. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time out to share with us today. You're welcome. Now, you started out in fashion, then transitioned into yoga. How did that come about? Is there a connection between the two? No, not really. Um, I, I, had, I worked in fashion like since leaving university. I did graphics at university. What I should have done was fashion. I got to about 32, um, met my husband. We got pregnant really quickly and... I just found it very, very difficult to go back to work in the fashion industry where it's very young people and staying out late and working all hours on a freelance basis. I started doing a lot of yoga to sort of manage um, my own mental health and manage my body. Like your body changes a lot when you have children. So mental health and cognitive behavioral therapy has always interested me and rather than go back to university for three to five years to study that and then go and work um, for the NHS I thought it would be better to apply my yoga knowledge to mental health practices and I'd have like easy access to everyone that I wanted to help quite quickly and so I did my yoga teacher training instead and I did that over a year and I still do the fashion styling. I still do um, personal shopping, but not so much anymore. It's, it's yoga mainly the yoga. Yeah. Right. Excellent. So yeah. I'm intrigued as to whether you're generally in yoga pants or busting the latest catwalk or high street fashions. Like, what no, 100%. 100% <laughs> yoga. And yoga. then like maybe, maybe, maybe once every fortnight I'll wear something, um, I'll wear something a bit fashion. And then like yesterday I rocked up, it was my day off yesterday. I rolled up on the stall run in like a really nice like backless dress. And everyone's like, oh my God, like, I feel recognising who are you? I was like, yeah, this is, this is me. This is what, this is what I'm like when I'm not dragging children into school in my yoga leggings. Well, I read your bio um, on your website and I love the part where it says something like, feeling good in the clothes you wear is no longer about looking uh, young or thin, but about feeling strong, unique and confident. I lacked confidence when I first started yoga. I always go to the back of the class because I'm always embarrassed, which means that I get to see everybody else. 
and yeah, it's that's quite fun isn't it sometimes it's quite fun but in terms of uniqueness my god you everyone is so different yeah, yeah. so those, those words really resonate with me not just in fashion all walks of life in beauty the skin that i'm in in yoga yeah. in that practice no i love that and that. don't you wish you knew that when you were younger i was constantly trying to fit in i think a lot of people that go into fashion do because they're trying to fit in they're trying to be the cool person i wish i'd known that everyone's different it is secretly fun to compete with the person next to you if you've got a sense of humor about it but you can't really compare yourself to to the person next to you and it's um yeah once you realize that then yoga becomes quite easy and you stop getting pissed off with yourself when you can't do things you're like Oh, I see. Like this, my left hand side doesn't work as well as my right hand side, but I'm going to work on that this week or this year. And then when it does happen, you're like, yes. And you're not yes to the person next to you. You're yes to, to yourself. yourself. Exactly. And, then, and that's it, isn't it? And then that's what yoga is all about. I mean, I, I came from the finance industry before going into beauty. And mm -hmm. again, I just try to fit the template. It's quite a male dominated world. And often you find women becoming caricatures of men in terms of the competency, the behaviours that they think they need to show in order to fit in. And I think probably it translates to any career, really. And you're absolutely right. And maybe, maybe that is something we can think about teaching people at a younger age. No, yeah. I love that. I would argue that yoga and any meditative health and fitness practice becomes essential at times like this, where the world feels as if it's been turned upside down, inside out. And yet it seems those industries are amongst the hardest hit in terms of support from the government yeah. uh, to help them get back on track. What's your experience been in terms of the support received and uh, feeling valued as a service, etc.? Oh, God, well, we've, <laughs> we've, 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 there's, there's absolutely nothing. So when the lockdown happened, gyms announced on their social media that they were closing before they even told us, the instructors. Two of the um, studios that I worked for have gone bust oh, in sorry this to hear that. period. It's hard to see the to the, see the end in sight. So I've gone online, and then as soon as I did go online, I had sort of huge success with it, which was brilliant. But it's ever changing. The whole thing is. I think there's going to be a bit of a Zoom fatigue. I think people really value the shared experience of being together in a room, in a park, wherever that collective energy. So I think the online thing will continue, but I think people will ultimately want to go back to classes. And then how's that going to work? Because all of the smaller independent studios and gyms, they're gone. They got wiped out. So then we're just left with these big box gyms that pay the instructors like real minimum wage absolute minimum wage so it's difficult to know sort of what the lay of the land is going to be next month let alone in six months um especially when I, th I think maybe some business models are harder for the decision makers to kind of get their heads around for instance i know that um you know a lot of the restaurants if you look at if you speak to um, the councils they're fast tracking these initiatives where they're going to widen the pavement and pedestrianise areas and a part of that is not just about the social distancing for pedestrians it's actually about creating additional capacity because they're asking these restaurants to reduce capacity so what yeah. they're allowing them to do so a lot of the red tape has been cut out so that you can now put tables and chairs on the streets yeah. so, I, so I wonder if the powers that be fully understand your industry because if they did then the equivalent of that would be allowing you to go into parks 
just going back to a few years ago when I first started here in Ealing and I set up two community classes um, in my local park and I got told off by the park rangers and asked to stop the classes because I didn't have a permit for the park. The permit is something like £800 a year and I was doing, I was doing like a free class for, um, for the mums at school and I was told to leave and I spoke to my local councillors and they couldn't help me. A couple of years later, I set up a mum and baby community class in like a children's centre that's within the same park. Um, and I was charging for that, but it was very low cost. So it was for people that had come from um, this less privileged area, mums and their kids to come in, nothing else like that on offer. And um, I got done again by the same councillors. They said that because I didn't have a license to use that community centre for yoga, even though you can do anything, you can play football there, you can do cricket and you can do like do all un those. Un unlicensed, these, all these activities that you're talking about, they can do all those activities there. They fall under the licence. There's like, um, like a blanket of um, grassroots sports if you like that you can do sort of in this community center the thing is with yoga is like is it well-being is it meditation is it it doesn't really fall into fitness and sports so it gets left out of a lot of things whereas pilates you could easily just put that as fitness and sport but yoga right. often falls into the well-being side the council whatever their reasoning was they weren't they wouldn't allow me to, to so, carry so, on. so would it so would it be as easy as them just adding yoga to the list of general uh, sports they, they offered to do that they said right. they said we, we can add yoga to our list but mm -hmm. it will cost you um something it was something like a thousand pounds or fifteen hundred pounds to go individually yeah, to go through the solicitor fees of changing that um, on the license. Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if something, if anyone listening to this, or if that's something that people can think about doing collectively, because obviously it's ridiculous to ask each individual yoga teacher to do that. But if they're saying a one-off change, then maybe communities can look at, you know, the value of wellness and yoga and, and actually yeah. making those things accessible to their local communities. And maybe they can get involved in upgrading yeah. their license to include that. So I think you're quite right. It yeah. sounds ludicrous. I, I used to try and do park run um i say yeah. try i used to make every other every other week and i thought it was amazing and if boris is saying things like you know we need to tack tackle um obesity park run's quite emotional for me i get there and i see entire families people pushing buggies got the dogs granddads yeah, yeah, there yeah. little children and i love it i absolutely lo love it but obviously with the situation we're in now just too many people in the same space but yoga would be ideal for that because your classes would be i'm guessing no more than say maximum maybe 15 20 people It'd yeah, be ideal. Exactly. And I, we're, we're, we're miles away from each other and it is it's really good for like it's good it's people need a sense of community so if yes. we can't come together inside let's come together outside exactly eight weeks left of summer left when i did speak to the council it's people very much that maybe sort of maybe just young graduates that don't really have a lot of life i'm really generalizing here but they don't really they didn't seem to understand that what i was doing was for the greater good and that lammas park is completely unused if you go to lammas park there's just absolutely nothing going on there at all because the permit to use that green space is so expensive there's nothing going on there so it's just people just sort of walking around and having picnics like there should be absolutely everyone there doing it like making the most of that massive space well actually you, you kind of give me food for thought because parks are public spaces where i live i'm very lucky i have some amazing parks around me I've got an amazing nature trail outdoor facilities picnic this is a clubhouse very cheap um, tennis courts a salt course playground for kids ping pong table incredible but really yeah. 
I, I don't want to name names, but a lot of that is down to a woman who crusaded um, very hard to get this yeah. in. And what, what I'll do, I will let you know who she is, like offline. And yeah. I know that she fought the councillors, like she really fought them. And she managed to make all these great successes. We're not too far from you geographically, from the parts that you've mentioned. So it might be worth um, speaking to her and seeing yeah. what can be done. Because when you're fighting on your own, it's quite difficult. But I'm sure you're not the only person who wants their park to be able to kind of you know facilitate and give out uh, what i what, what i really want is for um for, the, for yoga and all fitness not just yoga i want it to be accessible for everyone yeah. here we here where we are in west london we've got all of these great studios but it's like 15 to 17 quid for a class and that is just out of the realms of um possibility for so many people so you go to all of these classes and it's the same people there and they've got their mulberry handbag and their latte and not to generalize but it is it is it's a certain demographic isn't it and that's 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 not and that's making yoga seem all the more exclusive there's going to be so many people out there that have been made redundant that are going to be really suffering with their mental health. People that are suffering. And their pockets. With... And their pockets as well. Yeah. yeah. And you're quite yeah. right. For, for young people, I can't think how you'd even know what yoga was unless you saw yeah. it. And so the parks exactly. were a perfect place to showcase. Yeah. I know when I did yeah. a few sessions in the park um, with friends, people were looking and they were really intrigued. I've put a lot more effort into doing these outdoor classes. I've got a license to do Gunnersbury Park. We are going to be in the orange tree, so it's like a it's like a big tropical house along the lines of Kew Gardens sort of style. So we're going to be in there for the most part. If it's very hot, we'll be around the Horseshoe Lake, um, which is beautiful. It's like film set, beautiful. And when the weather turns and we have to go inside where it's warm, we'll be in the Manor House, um, which is lovely as well. It's like it's like the most beautiful. It's like a wedding venue. It's gorgeous. The whole place yeah. is gorgeous. Um, and it doesn't feel like you're in London at all. So. No, no. So check out Gunnersby Park, everyone. I think they've also just finished or halfway through building the largest, one of the largest sporting facilities, like different courts and football and rugby pitches. I think there's a yeah. castle there, like a little folly castle with another lake at the bottom. And the one that you're describing, the swans on there, it is film set. Um, yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's going to be a real destination where there's a lot of between Chiswick and Acton and Ealing. So yeah. like it's just a real mix of people as well, which is nice. No, no, good luck with that. So how's your um, client base and business evolved as a result? Is it getting back to where it was, the same but different, or actually improved? I was really nervous about doing online classes. I'm quite self-conscious. I'm quite sort of nervous and stuttery, so I really resisted doing Zoom classes. Um, but I quickly sort of got the hang of it, and people were, like, really nice. I had 100 people in one class. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. It's been, it's been a real learning curve. It's, it's, it's sort of made me get my mailing list together to try and streamline the service. I'm paying more attention to what people want. I've got more time to sort of speak to people individually about what they need. I'm meeting people. Like, I've got a class going in New York. I've got people in Australia. And... All of, the, all of this has come from online. So this has forced, the pandemic has forced me out of my comfort zone and it's great. I'm now doing things that I would never have done. I'm thinking about doing a YouTube channel. Um, I've done lots oh, of wow. Instagram lives for, um, for companies and things like that. So, and it's helped me with my social media. So ultimately, this has, this has definitely helped me.
Now, I really struggled with transitioning to online classes for yoga and fitness classes, etc. And as a result, I completely stopped <laughs> doing these activities, hence the weight gain. The wine and the chocolates didn't help, for sure. I realized that the group energy and the physical contact, like correcting my posture, etc., was super important for keeping me motivated, engaged and safe. Yeah. Was it easy to transition from working the group energy in a physical way, you know, in a physical space, delivering your services um, via Zoom, home alone. And how do you feel about maybe having to reverse that now? Excited or did you prefer <laughs> the change? Um, with my online classes, I try and address exactly that at the beginning of the class because there are so many distractions at home. Um, as you know, in yoga, when something feels intense, that's when you have to stay in it. But if you're not next to the fit person next to you or the teacher's not standing next to you physically, you're just going to drop out of that pose. Because I your did. <laughs> yeah, I did. If you set that intention at the beginning of the class and say, right, I know what my triggers are. I know that my hamstrings are the thing that will make me drop out of the pose or the sound of that washing machine or the sound of my husband in the next room doing something annoying. If I know what my triggers are, that again, that's what yoga is all about. It's knowing what your triggers are, isn't it? So if you, that's what we say at the beginning of the class, set your intention, know your limits, know when you're about to drop out of something and stay in that pose for an extra one breath, 10 breaths, whatever. And then I try and get people to keep checking in sort of maybe every five minutes or so. Are you still ticking the boxes that you set out to tick at the beginning of the class? At the beginning of the class, I have like say 50 people and by the end, I'm down to 45 or 40 because everyone's just like, oh, I can't be asked with this. And then some people just drop out. People just drop out because, well, I mean, it might be because they had to go to work or because somebody rang the doorbell. But I know but you'd never walk out of a no, class. Life. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. No, no. And the classes that I joined, I wouldn't put my video on because I knew beforehand <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. make this. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that, maybe for you, next time you do an online class, oh. you have to know that I'm watching. Um, okay. And so when, when I went back to teaching in real life in the parks, um, it felt weird because I was, I was projecting my voice in a different way and there is still the possibility that we're spreading germs and it is, it's just, it's, it's a tricky thing, isn't it? So it's going to yeah. keep evolving, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing that you've done very well, evolve and innovate. And I'm really pleased to, to hear that your business model has followed suit and benefited from that. Now, prior to the lockdown, you had a successful business offering reasonably priced yoga classes and one to one mm -hmm. sessions at a number of venues, gyms that you mentioned already. It's clear to me that you're passionate, very passionate about using yoga to improve mental and uh, physical well-being. And I, and I really hope that um, changes come into place that make it more accessible for all. It's been saving grace uh, for me, certainly through these times and when I started my yoga journey um, a year ago. Now, the fact that you're offering your online sessions for free speaks volumes about the strong sense of responsibility uh, for sharing this with others that you must feel. But how the hell are you making a living out of that? <laughs> how is that possible? People, well, people are very generous. Like, I think if you, um, if you say to people it's donation-based then, um, and they've had a really good class that, is, that has really been of value to them, then they'll pay you for it. Like, it's, it's, I've, people that can afford to donate, um, they, the way that I teach still resonates with them and it's been good. They're carrying the people that can't afford to donate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, even if, even if I didn't make much money, it's still very important to me that 
that everyone gets to everyone gets a chance to have a go. I'm sure that I'm sure for every ten people that I'm teaching for free, they will then go and tell their friends and their friends of friends, their boss at work, and that's how I keep getting all these corporate bookings, and that's how my numbers stay big. And there's enough people coming in to sort of keep me afloat. When, when the lockdown happened, because I teach quite a lot of community classes, I teach at a lot of the budget gyms, I knew that a lot of my regulars, say like 100, I teach about 150 people a week, I knew that a lot of them will have been furloughed. They will have, a, a large percentage of them would have lost their jobs. Oh, their wow. cleaners, their nannies, their, um, their, their people that work at Heathrow, they all, like, I know for a fact that a lot of them would have lost their jobs and I wanted them to be able to carry on because I was seeing them twice a week. I didn't want to be like, okay, well, that's it. You can't pay me anymore. So that's it. We're done now. It becomes a very personal relationship. Yes. Um, even though I don't have a chance to chat with everyone after class, I feel like I really know everyone in the class because I see how they move and I know what kind of mood they're in from day to day, from month to month because I see how they move and what their sort of energy is like in the class and I really miss them I really miss the people that I haven't seen for four months now I worry about how they're getting on even though I don't know their names that's why I wanted to keep doing it for free um, and I knew that the people that could pay would pay and they did and they still are so oh, that's lovely like I also um, take a lot of comfort in knowing that I've been a constant through the lockdown. I haven't missed any classes. No, I love that. I mean, it feels almost like the baseline for the way society should operate. I mean, one of the things I've heard people say you know, with, with this sort of pandemic and the way that it's forced us to look at capitalism and, you know, our relationship in those structures you talked about the big businesses just dropping you <laughs> like, like a hot potato and yeah. um, so you know just hearing like some of these stories where, that people are kind of spreading the love and giving back and taking care of their wider communities it's great I really hope I mean I believe that's something we should have always been doing I really hope it's it's here to stay and it'd be quite interesting to see this sort of um, not, not donation based but whether what you just said actually paves the way for a new way of doing business yeah, so. for the, the benefits yeah. of all and the exclusion of none. So I oh know I absolutely yeah. love that. My final uh, question for you, Terry, now that the lockdown on your industry has eased, what will the new normal look like for you? Um, I think fitness, per, my personal opinion is that fitness is really important for your immune system anyway. So we need to keep, like, we need to keep the gyms open much more than we need to keep the pubs open. I think, yeah, and I think people are going to have much more of a home practice. And I think there is, I think there's just going to be much more of an emphasis on that. And I think for my business, I think what I will do is I will keep on teaching my gym and outdoor and studio classes, but I might have like an at-home um, program that people can do as well so that they don't have to go to the gym three times a week. They might just go to the gym one time a week for my class and they can do my online stuff at home. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be led by what the people want. Oh, um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love, yeah, definitely. But and I want to just, I just want, but the goal is to just keep on making it accessible because what the studios and gyms are talking about at the moment is putting their prices up um, and making it like a smaller capacity, less people are in. So of course they're going to have to put their prices up in order to stay open so it's sort of almost making it more exclusive at the moment more um, less, less accessible and those people that you talked yeah. about um who've lost their jobs or who are on lower paid um you know lower pay lower wages basically they just can't 
they can't afford that no no so it's going to have this i mean one of the things that the pandemic has shown globally is this massive divide between yeah. I don't know if it's sort of rich and poor. I don't know. I don't know if it's a better term, but you can see those with with less money. Um, yeah. You know, they're less healthy, so more susceptible yeah. to the virus and etc. And if you have politicians like Boris talking about tackling obesity and blah blah blah, then surely you want to kind of find a way to bridge that gap. So whilst yeah. I appreciate, you know, as a business owner um, in the past myself, I appreciate that um, you need to be able to your pricing needs to cover your costs. So I do understand what yeah. the gyms are doing. But you can't just forget about that other segment of society. So I really hope that things are put in place to make sure there's accessibility, you know, I across do. the spectrum. Um, Terry Sinden, that's T-E-R-R-I-S-I-N-D-E-N.com. Um, anywhere else we can find you? What are your social media um, tags? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Terry Yoga and on Facebook as well at Terry Flow Yoga on Facebook. And I post lots of videos on there. And so you can sort of see what I do. You can sort of try before you buy if you like. Um, yeah. Thank you. Well, sadly, I don't possess a crystal ball, but I have a deep-seated feeling that things will continue to evolve and deliver more success um, than you could have anticipated or that you had before. Your passion, your generosity in putting it out there for all to enjoy is what makes me confident of this. So I wish you every success. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing my coffee break with you. Thanks for taking out the time. Namaste, Terry. Bye. You've been listening to me, Vivian Braidwood, and this podcast was written and presented by me. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe and please rate us. Ask me any lifestyle related question or let me know which topic you'd like me to cover during our essential coffee break. Tag me and use the hashtag Shades and Coffee with Vivian on Twitter or Instagram. We'd really love you to subscribe. Speak soon. Shades and Coffee. Look good. Feel good. <laughs>